All right, take your Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We've talked about several enemies of soul winning thus far. The devil is obviously the chief enemy of soul winning. So obviously, each of the, each of the things that we've talked about stems from the fact that the devil will do whatever he can to gain an advantage over us. And that's how we started. But then we looked at wrong doctrine at a church level and how that can be a hindrance. Nobles refusing to work, wrong view of repentance, and, and so on. Um, and then last week, we addressed really what I guess you could consider to be wrong practice on a personal level. Um, oh, does anybody else need a, a form or, or a, an outline? And Brother John was passing them out, but... <laughs> but spiritual gifts being misunderstood, and of course that's a hindrance to soul winning as well, because spiritual gift, there is no spiritual gift of soul winning, it's a command, not a gift. So tonight I want to look at another one of those personal level enemies, and in my opinion I think that what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, the biggest reason that individual people don't witness, and that's fear. That's an enemy of soul winning. Uh, so let's look at a couple things here. In Second in Timothy chapter 1, and I want to look first of all at the problem. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, be, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let's pray. We'll get into this. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for the time we can spend together. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this place. God, I pray that you'd uh, give us a blessing from being here tonight. And as we look at these things, I pray that you'd help us as we try to overcome the fear of being a witness for you. And I pray that you would just bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's, there's several problems with this idea of fear. And the first problem is that we can be afraid of rejection. We can be afraid of rejection by a family member, um, especially, you know, uh, when you're at family gatherings and, oh, here comes the Bible thumper again, you know, and everybody laughs or, you know, same thing when you're in a group of friends or when you're with coworkers or something like that, um, you're afraid of rejection by strangers. But that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the areas that fear creeps in. We're afraid that we're going to be rejected. Now, we know that they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the gospel, but a lot of times somebody rejecting the gospel feels like they're rejecting us, and, it, and it's not easy, and we don't look forward to being rejected. So there's fear of rejection. There's also fear of embarrassment. None of us wants to look like a nut to everyone, right? But honestly, that's how, that's how some of the more extreme family members would look at those who are trying to give them the gospel. This guy's crazy. Something's wrong with him. All he wants to talk about is Jesus, which that's a great problem, but... We're afraid of being put under pressure by somebody who might uh, question us about our beliefs, and we're not going to be able to answer them, and it's going to bring embarrassment, um, or question our motives, and it's going to bring embarrassment. We're afraid that we're going to be embarrassed when that happens, so we're afraid of rejection, afraid of embarrassment, afraid of failure. We might be afraid that we're, that we're going to fail to accurately communicate the gospel to somebody. Well, I don't know it that well, and so if I go to share it with somebody, and they don't, they don't understand it, and they don't accept it. And, and I wouldn't say that that's a fear necessarily of mine, but that's something that, that, that I'm concerned about sometimes, you know, uh, especially in a situation like what we just went through uh, that, that I was telling you about earlier. If, if I don't do a good job of explaining the gospel to somebody and they don't accept Christ because they don't understand what I'm trying to say, then I've failed. 
And sometimes that fear of failure is enough to keep somebody from sharing the message of the gospel. We may be afraid that we're not able to communicate correctly, then we won't be able to win souls. And, and uh, we may be afraid that we won't be able to continue working with that person after we start. Because we don't know what to say, or we don't know how to go about it, or whatever else. And so there's that fear of failure. But there's also a fear of confrontation. People might be afraid of confrontation. We may be afraid of a, a negative reaction, a door being slammed in your face. And when they say the door slammed in your face, uh, you know, it's not necessarily like you've been standing there and somebody closed the door and your nose got stuck in the door or something like that. But I've been, been many times, and, and even fairly recently, where somebody realizes what you're doing, and before you can even get the words out of what you're doing or where you're from, the door's already closed. No, thank you, I'm not interested, and they close the door. You know, and there's a fear of that. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants that confrontation. But, you know, fear of maybe the police being called and now you've got to confront the police or the police have to confront you or being kicked out of a neighborhood, being being cussed out. The list goes on and on of things that, that we'd be afraid of with this confrontation. You might be afraid of the confrontation for somebody who's really grounded in their false doctrine and may, you know, question us and what we believe and we don't know how to answer them. And they confront us. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And so there's that fear of confrontation. But turn over to Proverbs 29. Can I share with you the real problem with our fear? The real fear is a fear of man. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. See, this fear sometimes is so paralyzing that it prevents some Christians from ever witnessing to anyone in their life. All these fears that we talk about of rejection, of embarrassment, of failure, of confrontation, those are all fears of men. And the Bible says they bring a snare. Most Christians, I think, will end up witnessing to someone throughout their lifetime just by default. You know, let's say your kids are growing up in your house and you're going to share the gospel with them. Or, you know, you have a family member that's on their deathbed and, and uh, you know, they're dying. And so you, you just, you, you try to witness to them. Um, something along those lines. But this fear will prevent a lot of Christians from what to me is our ultimate responsibility. And that is to be an active witness for Jesus Christ. And I don't even necessarily mean, when I say being an active witness, it doesn't mean that you have to constantly be out knocking on doors. But we come into contact with people all the time. And knocking on doors is part of that, part of being an active witness, getting the message of the gospel out. But how many times do we come into contact with people that we've, that we've known for years? And most of the time known for years that they're not saved. You know? Uh, how many times have you tried to give them the gospel? Or somebody that you've worked with, or somebody that you went to high school with, or some, I mean, there's just, the, the possibilities are endless from people that we uh, that we could witness to, but what happens so many times is that we rationalize it behind a, an excuse of schedule or an excuse of, 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 of ability or of work rules or transportation issues or whatever, but the simple truth is that we're just afraid to witness. That's what it comes down to. If that's you, I'm not belittling you, belittling you because I know that that's a very, it's very understandable and it's, it's a long-standing human issue. Um, in fact, uh, and we're not going to take the time to look at these things tonight, but Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he was afraid of what other people were going to think about him, right? He was, he was afraid of what his own brethren were going to say about him coming to Jesus. So he came to Jesus at night, 
right? What about Peter? Just hours after he said, I'll go to the death for you, he denied ever knowing Jesus. Why is that? He's afraid of man. He's, a, he's afraid of man. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's understandable. It doesn't excuse it, but it's understandable. And it's been around for as long as humans have been alive. Fear is a powerful thing. So since that is, in my opinion, the most common problem, I want to address how to defeat it tonight. So the first thing that we can do to defeat the problem of fear is to embrace the peace of God. Now, I know that might sound warm and fuzzy, but, but look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20 and verse number 19. And I think, I mean, this, this addresses this issue exactly. Uh, John chapter 19, uh, John chapter 20 and verse number 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Jesus had risen from the dead. The disciples didn't know what to do, so they basically went and locked themselves in the upper room because they were afraid of what the Jews were going to do to them. And Jesus shows up and said, here's my peace. You see, we were in the hands of an omnipotent God. And that omnipotent God is with us every time we attempt to witness for Jesus Christ. That omnipotent God is with you, has already been in the future that you're so nervous about. He knows what's going to happen. He knows whether you are going to get killed from talking to somebody about Christ. Or he knows exactly whether that person's going to accept Christ or not, you know? And, and that's the thing. I mean, I can understand, you know, a real fear of being killed, but we're not in a place where you get killed for being a Christian. You might get ridiculed, but, but, but what is ridicule compared to what they did to Christ? What is ridicule compared to what all of these other foxes, you know, Book of Martyrs Christians went through? I mean, that's, it, it's really, our, our problems are so small, and it, and it kind of sounds silly to say that I'm afraid of man when the, the most they can do is kick you off of their porch and make fun of you. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really all the recourse they have. And, you know, we just have to trust God, though. He's omnipotent. He knows what's going to go on. And I'm going to give you some practical suggestions, but we have to start with the spiritual. Fear is a failure to have faith in God. That's what fear comes down to. Fear is a failure to have faith in God. So just trust him and let his peace come. That's how we defeat the problem of fear is to embrace the peace of God. But the second thing that we can do is, is this. And I just touched on it. But remember that you live in the United States of America. You live in the USA. You don't live in China where, it's, you, know, where, where you can get killed for being a Christian. You don't live in some of, these, uh, some of these other communistic countries. And yes, your workplace has rules. But those rules... Uh, have to be in line with the laws on the books that allow you to share your faith if that's what you want to do while you're at work. Now, you shouldn't be, you know, using work time to do it, but many times you're riding with somebody in a car somewhere or you're sitting there waiting for something to happen and you've got time where you're just going to shoot in the breeze, you know. You, you have every right to share the message of the gospel with somebody at work. Yes, you know, people that own private property can kick you out, but they can't kick you off the sidewalk. That doesn't belong to them. They can't kick you off the street. They can't keep you from going onto a street corner and passing out tracks. That, that doesn't belong to them. And yes, they can kick you off their property, and that's their right. And there's laws about disturbing the peace and all of those kind of things, but there, 
There isn't a law in the books anywhere that would legal, legally prevent you from standing on a corner and passing out tracks. That street belongs to you. That, that, that sidewalk belongs to you because you live in the United States of America. A friend of mine's father, um, Pastor Teasdale, Frank Teasdale, um, was, he, he went to a, it was a Catholic, it was put on by a Catholic church, but it was called some kind of family festival, but it's well known that it was a Catholic church that sponsored the entire thing. And so uh, he got a permit from the city, and he and a, and a group of guys went down there, and they were actually preaching, uh, street preaching, in this Catholic family festival. And the police came and arrested him, took him to jail, spent a couple nights in jail, I think it was. And, and uh, anyway, but just um, beginning of this month, uh, May 8th, May 7th or 8th, I think, um, and, it, and it had been a couple years since that happened, but a federal judge ruled just a couple weeks ago that the police were in violation of the First Amendment when they arrested him, said that they had arrested him illegally, and they required the city to pay all of his legal expenses on top of, you know, vindicating the fact that they were doing everything legally. I mean, here you have uh, the, what's arguably the most liberal city in America, Chicago. Chicago and New York, I mean, they kind of rival each other. Some of the, you know, San Francisco maybe. I mean, but, but Chicago's right up there with one of the most liberal cities in America. And in the most liberal city where he was arrested for preaching the gospel on a street corner, they vindicated him and said that he had every right to do that because we live in the United States of America. Now, there's a fear. Who wants to go through that process? Who wants to get arrested? Who wants to be taken to jail? Who wants to go through the legal system and have to fight all those court battles and everything else? But look what happened. Because we live in the United States of America, we have every right, and we should be taking advantage of those rights. I've been knocking on doors for probably close to 20 years regularly, and only one time the police were calling me. And the police had to respond out because, that's, you know, because there was a call made, and they, 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 they came out, and they were very nice. They, they didn't say anything against what we were doing. They, could, they said we could keep doing what we were doing as long as we weren't going on to property that had signs on it that said no trespassing. And, of course, we don't do that anyway. And they said, have a great day. Keep doing what you're doing. It, because we live in the United States of America, and we have that right to do that. Witnessing is, is clearly not soliciting. We're not selling anything. Everything that we offer them is completely free. The gospel is 100% free. And so even if somebody says, you're not allowed to be soliciting in this neighborhood, we're not soliciting. <laughs> and that, that's, been, that's been ruled, you know, that ruling has come from the Supreme Court multiple times that knocking on doors to spread the message of your religious organization, whatever that happens to be, is not soliciting and you have every right to do it. So we have to remember, and this, this ought to be something that will help us to get over that fear, that we live in the United States of America, and we have every right to be out there knocking on doors, preaching on the street corners, passing out tracks wherever we want to do that, as long as we're not on private property that we can get kicked out of. Here's number three. Actively develop good motivations to overcome the fear. Actively develop good motivations to overcome the fear. Here's what I mean. Number one, witness out of a sense of duty. Witness out of a sense of duty. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. There's a lot of different passages that we could turn to, but let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. 
One of the commands that we've been given by God is to go and spread the message of the gospel. So even if we're afraid, even if we're afraid, we have a duty and a responsibility to spread the message of the gospel. I don't particularly love going to strangers' porches to confront them about what they believe. Now, I do it, and I enjoy doing it when I'm out there, but who, who wants to go, you know, tell somebody, you know, knock on their door specifically to tell them that they're wrong? <laughs> you know? You've been, I know you've believed this for the last 65 years of your life, but it's wrong. Who wants to do that, you know? And so there is a little bit of nervousness when you go out and do those things. But I have a responsibility to do it. I have a duty to do it. And if my motivation is, I know I'm nervous to do this, but it's my responsibility, it's my duty, then, then uh, that's a motivation that will help me get out and do those things. Here's another one. Witness because you fear God more than you fear man. We talked about this already, but the fear of man bringeth a snare. But it says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, don't be afraid of man. Well, certainly they could, they could do everything all the way up to the point of taking your life. They can't take your soul. Amen. They, can't, they can't take heaven. Amen. You know, Pastor Brothers used to say, all the, say that all the time. What do I have to be afraid of if somebody threatens my life? Can't threaten me with heaven. You know, that's exactly what it is. What do we have to be afraid of? Because we need to be afraid of God more than we are afraid of man. We ought to be afraid of, of, of disobeying God's command to go out and witness more than we are afraid of what some man can say to us while we're out there knocking on doors. Here's another motivation. Witness out of a love for God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We could, talk, we could read a lot of different verses about the fact that God is worthy of anything that we can do for him. And one of the things that he's commanded us to do is spread the message of the gospel so we can witness out of a love for God. That ought to be a motivation to overcome the fear of witnessing. Here's another one. And there's a lot of different verses that we could look at on this one as well, but witness out of a love for people. Witness out of a love for people. Oh, certainly we ought to do it because we love God and we want to get the message that he's given to us out into this world. But if we love people, we'll share the message of the gospel with them. And you can say, oh, I love that person. I love that person so much. You know, your, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your aunt, your parents, your grandparents. I mean, you can say all you want to that you love them, but if they're on their way to hell and you're not actively trying to win them for Jesus Christ, then you cannot say that you love them. Or you might have some affection for them, but you don't really love them if you're not trying to keep them out of hell. Because you know every one of us in here is a Christian. We all claim to know what happens to those who are not Christians. We know that they're going to spend an eternity in hell. And if you can stand to just let them march right that direction, not knowing when they're going to take their last breath on this earth and their first breath in hell, then you don't really love that person. Because that's what love really is. Love is, is realizing that that's their situation and doing everything we can to stop it from happening. Love is one thing the best for another person, and obviously the best is to keep them out of hell. So witness out of a love for God, witness out of a love for people. And here's another one, witness to set a good example. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. 
Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We could continue on with good motivations to witness for the Lord, but all of these and, and a whole lot more motivations that we could come up with are good reasons to live a life that is active and regularly witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. The point is to focus on those good reasons instead of focusing on the fear in your heart that tells you not to witness. Well, defeating the problem of fear, we can embrace the peace of God. We can remember that we live in the good old United States of America. We can actively develop good motivations to overcome fear. And the fourth thing we can do is to prepare. Prepare. The Bible says in Ezra 7 verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. How do you prepare? Well, study out a plan of witnessing. Now, if you haven't done a whole lot of witnessing before, then it might take a little bit of time. A good place to start is with the back of the tracks that we hand out. Well, those are great verses. That's why they're on the back of those. Because somebody could take that, read it, and could get saved off of that because the Bible says that God's word is not going to return unto him void. So regardless of whether we took an hour and shared that with somebody, they should be able to read the verses from the Bible, and the Bible itself will convict them of their need for Jesus Christ, and somebody could get saved off of that. So the best place to start for you to study it out is to go read through those verses yourself. We're doing a great thing with this Forever Settled because all of those verses in the entire first book are verses that will help you to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Do you have to use all of them? No, but pick a few of them out that you think you could use. Really, really the first two sections, uh, verses about the Bible and verses about salvation are all the verses that you would need to lead someone to Jesus Christ. All the other ones are helpful, verses about hell, verses about salvation without baptism, verses about heaven, all of those things. But really, if you memorize the first two sections in that book, you could lead somebody to Christ. Study those things out. Uh, you know, I, I'm, when we finish up with this part of the series on enemies of soul winning, I'm going to go through a few weeks on how to witness to somebody. And that'll be helpful to us as well, uh, hopefully, but study it out. And then the second thing is to practice it. Practice it repeatedly until you know it well. Look, the best way to practice is to go share it with somebody that doesn't know Christ, but you can practice it on somebody who does, right? Practice it with somebody who can help you. Well, I don't know if I'd say it that way. Practice makes perfect, right? When you practice something so much that you could do it in your sleep, then you stop regretting having to go do it, and you start looking forward to doing it, right? You remember in school when... when um, uh, when you studied, you were prepared for a test. You weren't nervous about taking the test. You were excited to show your teacher what you knew, right? Because you had prepared yourself. You had practiced. You had studied. And honestly, the same thing is true of giving out the message of the gospel. When you are familiar with it and you've studied it and you know it, then you're not afraid of meeting somebody that you're going to talk to about it. You're looking for every opportunity you can so you can show them what you know about the gospel. And it's not, you know, it's not for a prideful thing, but so you can say, look, this is what you need to know from the Bible about how to be saved. And you stop regretting having to meet somebody and talk to them about it, and you start looking forward to being able to share that with somebody. Um, most people are afraid of being seen as foolish or afraid that they won't know what to say, but what kind of excuse is that? You know, if you don't know what to say, then go study it out. Go practice it until you do know what to say. No one's born with a built-in knowledge of witnessing. Everybody who does it has to work hard at it without exception. So just go to work. Go work on it. 
Go practice it. Go study it. And I, I mean, for, for, for my part, I'd be glad to sit down with you. Take some time to go through what to say to somebody, how to say it to somebody. Uh, that's a large part of what we're doing on Sunday nights with what we believe and why we believe it, so that you can stand on the truths of the Word of God. You'll, you'll be glad that you invested that time. Um, the solution to the fear of not knowing how isn't continuing to use it as an excuse. It's, it's, the solution is to learn how to do it and then to practice it. We're not, you know, it's, it's not something we're doing to try to show people how smart we are, but the more you practice it, the more, uh, you know, the, the less nervous you'll be about sharing it. And then here's the last one, and this kind of goes right along with that, but experience. How do you defeat the problem of fear? Through experience. The more you do it, uh, you know, Paul, Paul learned through experience how to trust God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. He said, not that I speak in, resp in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul had to learn to be content through experience. He, it didn't, it didn't, it's not something that just came to him overnight. And I, and I think in the same way, you know, think about things that used, to, that used to seem very difficult. It wasn't all that long ago that Riley learned how to ride her bike. She was petrified to get on that thing. And I told her, you just have to get on it and do it. And I can guarantee you that within a couple days, you'll be riding that thing around like you were never even scared. And within a couple days, she was flying around the yard on her bike. You were the same way, right? Or maybe when you first got behind the wheel of a car, felt like you were getting behind a, you know, 10 million pound machine that could just take out, you know, telephone poles and everything. That's what it felt like, right? But it didn't take long for you driving down the road with a cell phone in one hand and a hamburger in the other and you're driving with your knee, right? Because why? You've got the experience of doing it. And, I mean, a million other things that you could fill in the blank, you know, that you used to be afraid of, but now you do it all the time. Why is that? What's the difference between something that you're scared to death to do and something that you just do, you know, in fact, most of us do driving in our sleep too, but something that you do in your sleep? Why? What's the difference? It's because you've done it a million times. And the same is true with the gospel. We're not just going out to practice just so that we can say we practiced it, but the more you witness to somebody the easier it gets. And the more experience you have, the better it is. Because, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a, in a prideful way or anything else, but I've heard just about all of the questions that can be asked now. When you share the gospel enough times, you hear every argument against it, and you can, now, you can, now I could probably answer just about any argument that anybody gave to the gospel because I've heard them so much. Because the more you witness, the more you share the gospel, the more experience you get. You know, I'm not saying that I don't get nervous when I go out and knock on a door that I, you know, of somebody that I don't know, especially. But when I'm around people that I know that I have an like these police officers, especially that I have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, I'm not. It, I'm not nervous about it at all. I'm looking for the right opportunity and the right time and the right place to give them the gospel, because that's what that's what they need, and I know that's what they need. And the more you practice it, the more, I mean, I, don't, I shouldn't even say practice. The more you just go do it, the more experience you're going to get, and the less you're going to be afraid of it. So I don't want you to rely on your experience as you witness. I want you to rely on God. We have to rely on God. But I do want you to use your growing experience to calm your fears in relation to being an active and a regular witness for Jesus Christ. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll, the more comfortable you'll be in doing it. 
devil uses all the tools that he has at his disposal to try to keep us from being a witness for Jesus Christ. Um, one of his most effective tools is fear. And we, well, I just don't have time, but, but when it comes down to it, we're making the excuse of time because we're afraid. Well, it's just not the right opportunity. Might not be necessarily, but we're just using that as an excuse because we're afraid. With God's help, we can overcome that fear and we can be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Fear is an enemy of soul winning. But God says that, he's, that he'll help us to overcome that spirit of fear. That we shouldn't live in a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. How does that happen? By practicing it. By knowing what you believe about it. By realizing that if we don't share the message of the gospel, they're going to die and spend an eternity in hell. By loving God, by loving people. That's how you get over those fears. We can. We can be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I do thank you for the time that we've been able to spend together here around your word. I pray that you would help us to be bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so I pray that we take that and use that against our fear. Use that against the devil who's trying to make us afraid to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you'd help us to share the gospel with as many people as we can with the time that we have left. I do pray that you would continue to keep everybody in our church safe, everybody that we know safe, and that we'd be able to come out of this on the other side stronger and with more people who have a desire to know you as their Savior and a desire to grow in you. Pray that you bring us back here together safely on Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen.